Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Well, welcome Steph to the Military Wife Life Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. You and your partner have been together for just over seven years. Can you tell me how you guys met and how you got together? We met randomly at like an Australian day barbecue at the Weir, as you do in Albury, because we both come from Albury. And then I kind of worked with some of his friends and he got a job at Target where I worked for a number of years. And then about six months after we first met, he then started working at Target and we started to get to know each other a bit there you know, put the full makeup on, nice hair and flirting and all that cheesy stuff. And then, yeah, come about November, so 11 months after we first met, we started dating. So when you first started dating, was he in the Defence Force joining? What was his situation at that time? I remember laying on our bed, actually, after a few months of dating, and he mentioned wanting to join the Army. And I was just finished my first year of social, my social work degree. I had three to go. And Joel was just 21. And I was really anti the Army. I was really scared of it. Nobody in my family's in the Army. Nobody but in his really is. And that lifestyle just scared the bejesus out of me because, you know, we were so new. And he wasn't really sure himself and that was the last we really spoke of it. So, yeah, he didn't actually join until April last year officially but got accepted 12 months before that. So we had a long time together before he actually joined. So what made him actually decide to go forward with joining the Army? I was kind of like I'd started doing research on it and I decided that I'd finished my uni degree, I'd started working for one year and I was starting to come around to it where he started to, I guess, second guess himself. He's the oldest of seven. I'm an only child. We're very close to our families. We have all our grandparents alive still. So it took us a whole year to decide to actually join. And then we just literally went to an open day in Wodonga next to Aubrey. And we just wrote his name down, but it took us 12 months to do a lot of research and make that decision. And we thought that I'd established my career. I had a job. I had experience in family violence for one year by then. And that I had the ability now to follow him and move around. And so how did you go during the time when he was away at Kapuka? And then I guess when you said that his time in Sydney got extended, it went from three months to double that. So a bit hard to swallow when it's just, I guess, the first year of experiencing defence life. How did you cope with that? I've got better as it's gone. I think some of the hardest things were is we bought a house together, which we knew we made that decision to do and that he would only maybe spend six to 12 months in it. So that was really hard. I guess he's lived with me since six months into our relationship. So living together for nearly, you know, six years and having nearly every day together and then having him completely ripped out of your life was tough. I guess it showed me what I could do. Like I refused to mow lawns before he left. And then, you know, I'm the one out the front Googling how to start a bloody mower because I didn't know what to do and having tanties. It would have been very interesting for the neighbours to watch. But, um, <laughs> but you did it. I did it. Yeah. I mowed the lawn and I've got a Lebanese and an Aussie grandma and my Aussie grandma was at first like oh how is she going to cope with everything at home by herself and my mum was of the mindset of she's fine like she's very smart young girl she doesn't need a man which is true we don't we can do it it's just nice having them and I guess the way I got through Kapuka to be honest is my work I worked nine to five in family violence crisis care work it's intense work it takes a lot of your time it takes a lot of your body and your energy and I had my parents over every Monday for dinner and I'd go to gym once a week with my mum and I just 
I wrote him letters, to be honest, every single day. It's how I coped. I felt like I spoke to him every day because I wrote down how I felt and I was honest. I was honest about what was happening at home because his biggest thing would have been not having control of everything going on here. And I just wrote to him every single day. What was the main, I guess, thing that made you want him to go forward with it? Because obviously at the start you were pretty scared of it. The main fear, to be honest, for both of us originally at the start was both of our dads for different reasons had lived away for long periods of time in our life. Like my parents were still together, his weren't. And my dad was pretty much what I now know of the time, kind of like fly in, fly out, but he drove in and drove out. And just kind of like how that can affect an attachment with a child, like I'm much closer to mum than dad. So I had that real fear around a child having that not secure attachment with it with their dad which scared me but then I guess for him watching him work at Target which was fine and there's nothing wrong with working at Target but it just didn't inspire him he was unhappy he didn't know what he wanted to do in life so what job did he end up getting accepted for and what kind of training did he go away for what was that like first preference was combat engineer and it was a 12 month wait for him to go to Kapuka so it was Kapuka and Wagga Wagga which we were lucky was only an hour and a half from our house and then he was there for three months then he went to Sydney for what was meant to be three months but was six months because it went into shutdowns and stuff and then that was his training and now he got posted to Darwin in January and I came up in March. When you made the decision to move from all the way from Albury to Darwin you also had some other factors that played into that in that your mum was quite sick. Can you tell us what was going on with your mum? Mum's born in 1964 so in 2014 she turned 50. As most women know when you turn 50 um, you get free mammograms. At 49 in August 2013 her doctor started her on free mammograms. There was nothing there. And then a month after she turned 50, so May 2014, um, she found a lump in her breast. And I was in my final year of university. It was a bit of a whirlwind. Within two weeks, she was operated on. But the day I went and did my interview for my placement, I also took her for a biopsy. I'm an only child too and lived my whole life with my mum. So we're very, very close. And so she got through that first diagnosis and it was six months of treatment, operations, etc. And then we got through another six months and they noticed her markers which is something they look at an indication of cancer was going up again and they tried to figure out what was wrong they decided to take her ovaries out and they did biopsies on her ovaries and there was breast cancer cells in them so there was no tumor but cells she was very lucky they said if the oncologist didn't say to do that she could have died very soon because it's hard to detect then anyway mum got the all clear and did her six months of treatment again and she was about all clear for about 18 months and during that 18 months was when Joel and I decided to join, I say Joel and I because we decided together, but for him to join the army, you know, thinking that everything's going well. And then whilst we were waiting, he enlisted the January and then by September two years ago, her markers started going up again and they decided that the dots on her bones, which they thought were blood dots, was bone mets, which meant her breast cancer had metastasized, which is stage four cancer. She had it on her sacrum, on her spine. The same week we found that out, Joel got two offers to go to Kapuka one after the other because people had pulled out and that was very stressful for us and he declined both of them because we just couldn't deal with it. They told us that they thought mum would only need treatment for six months, put her on chemo tablets, we'll get this under control and we'll be fine. So Joel and I are like, awesome. They then offered him in October a position in April 2018. We said, great, mum will be done by then. We can move on. Come December, we found out that the tablets weren't working. 
they put her on hormone tablets again. And then come April, Joel left the 3rd of April and come the 4th of April, we found out that mum's tablets weren't working. Her markers kept going up and she'd be starting chemotherapy. The first call I get from Joel the first weekend at Kapuka was pretty shit having to tell him that because I know he felt a lot of guilt leaving me with all that going on. But I was lucky that my workplace was like my family. And on top of having my family, I'm really close to Joel's family and his siblings and his mum. And so I had all them to support me but from there onwards to be honest she did six months of chemo and she stopped when we got in at our engagement party in October because things plateaued and she'd look like she was going well and within two months of that time so October 2018 till December I think it was 2018 her markers went back to what they were six months prior so that six months of chemo she did just went down the drain and then we found out she had um it had spread to her brain and she had a number of tumors on her brain that was just before I quit my job and moved up here so that was really tough I struggled a lot with leaving her the guilt of leaving her the tension between living my own life and having to live Joel's and my life versus not being there to support them like I did and take her to medical appointments and stuff so that was tough and whilst I was in Darwin it's continued so her chemos she's been on two or three chemos that haven't worked it's then gone to a lymph node in her lung which they tested and it's a estrogen positive I think cancer and from there because the chemos weren't working they decided to put her on these new tablets after only being on them two months, she went back to the doctor and was told that um, the tablets hadn't worked. And she kept talking about changing the date of the wedding. And I just said to her really upfront on the phone, have they given you a time? And she said, yeah, they said if nothing works, she'll be given six months, which was my wedding and my birthday and Christmas. So um, she did prior to getting that news she'd already gone to melbourne and done um, radiation on her brain so she had to have a lot of time off work and get radiation on her brain on all the brain mets they couldn't get rid of them but to at least try to shrink them and then they didn't know really what else they could do i think there was only maybe one or two other drugs she could try and her oncologist is pretty amazing and she has been applying for mum to get onto all these drug trials to the first two they declined because mum had the brain tumors but this third one because they'd done the radiation they looked like they were under control so they accepted her and at the moment it's going well her markers went up in one month to 3200 before she started the treatment and she's had so far three rounds and after two rounds her markers have come down to 1500 which is a huge decrease so gives us hope that she will be here for a few more years how did you make that initial decision to move knowing all of that was going on at the same time and knowing you would be so far away and I guess couldn't just visit or help out any time that you needed to. Yeah, I think we just already made that plan for me to go. So I just had to bite the bullet and do it. And this sounds terrible at the same time, but moving away has given me time to work on me and like I can interact with what's going on with mum and support the best way I can. Like I did a GoFundMe and raised her money for some bills and for another holiday up here, which dad and her just came on. And, you know, I, I do what I can for what I can. And, but at the same time, I felt like by being away, it's kind of taken pressure off me. I think being being there, I put a lot of pressure on me and I wasn't actually taking a lot of time for myself. So as bad as that sounds as well, I think in some ways it's helped me cope with it better because I've had to create a bit of distance. So I wasn't just surrounded by it all the time. Like I'd go to work and I was surrounded by trauma and I'd come home and I was sitting in my grief of what was going on with my mum. And to be honest, I did counseling before I left through my employer. They were happy to pay for it. And I did a lot of counseling around working on how I felt about mum's treatment and going through that grief and loss. Like 
she said it's very true. Some my, you know, somebody could walk on the street and get hit by a car, but because mum has cancer, we're, you know, we're faced with her mortality all the time and mm-hmm. going through the grief and loss of that and the anxiety of every appointment and has it got worse. And while Joel was away, my grandfather had bowel cancer as well. So it was like these multiple layers of just illness and cancer and so many things happened last year just before Joel went away with my dad being in a car accident and I just look back at last year and I'm just like how did we get through it but you just do you know like you just you just pull your socks up and just have to keep moving on with it but it's still hard like I felt very guilty and I still do feel guilty a lot for leaving her. I guess you get on with it because you've just got no choice. I had an amazing manager where I used to be and you know she would always say to me and my Lebanese grandmother says it to me a lot too your mum doesn't want you living here in Aubrey for the whole purpose of because she has cancer. You will make her happier knowing that you and Joel are living your life and establishing your careers and making yourselves financially secure. That's what will make her happier than you just sitting in Aubrey and Joel being miserable at what he was doing or, you know, you burning out in the job. You mentioned Joel left on the third and then you got bad news about your mum on the fourth and you then not in contact with Joel? Yeah, no, we'd had no contact. And that weekend was the worst weekend when they first got a Kapuka. He, he called me the night he went and then he said he would call me on the Saturday. And that Saturday, I don't think I've ever held on to my phone so much in my life. And I never got a call. And I remember crying nearly to sleep. And then I decided to go for a walk on this humongous hill. And I'm walking up this hill and I'm like dying. And the next minute he calls me and here I am puffing and huffing on the side of a hill with no reception, you know, craving that 10 minute phone call. Hey, like, please don't stress, but mum's not very well. <laughs> you know, how do you break that news to somebody? Like he's close to my mum too. Like it's, yeah. it's hard. Like, and they feel guilty too. Also, he had said no to the offers previously and things were looking good and he'd said yes and gone I mean, yeah. how many times can you put something on hold when you don't know what's going to happen in the... And I guess that's the hard thing, getting to Darwin. You know, she has to time it between her treatments. It's not just like people probably think she can just come up here. She can't. Like she has scans, she has chemo. Everything has to be fitted in a time schedule. So a lot of times she can't spend more than seven days here because she has to go back for treatment. She has to go back for scans. She has to be careful of like, you know, getting bitten by bugs up here or the weather changing. Like it's process for her to come here too. But at the same time I haven't had leave to be able to go home yeah so that's been tough for her as well and then in saying that when you move to a new area it's not like when you make a friend you're like okay here's my life story this is what's been going on in my life and now you know yesterday I got this news and support me it doesn't kind of work that way you kind of have to build a friendship and trust and a relationship before you sort of go into the the heavy stuff so how's how's it been in Darwin with finding I guess some supports like that aside from your partner I'm somebody who's like an open book so I was really mindful about how much do I share straight away not knowing these people as well and a girl at work started talking about her mum with cancer so it was interesting when she brought that up I mentioned bit by bit and her mum had breast cancer for 10 years and is now okay but she knew what I was going through so that was really helpful and I had a manager who was really supportive and I decided three weeks in I needed to tell her what was going on because it could affect my work in some ways or it could affect my ability to be in Darwin if things went downhill so she was amazing with friends a guy that Joel has gone through Kapuka Sydney and Darwin with and he's good friends with the boys were very savvy and got us houses in the same street together so Lauren's just down the road and we message on Facebook or see each other so that was really good living in a street with somebody who you don't have to like you said like tell your whole life story to again she knew what was going on already and then just through 
through people, other partners up here or guys Joel works with. I met a few other partners and a few of them have known bit by bit. I've just mostly said mum's sick and then another time maybe said more or one of them didn't even know that much. And I told her I got bad news about mum and she cooked me a meal. Like, you know, that just that generosity of caringness was there. I've just done it bit by bit with the comfort level of them. But I feel like you like with the army women, I feel like, I don't know, you build connections really quickly. Like building other friendships is not always as quick, but it's like you instantly understand each other to a different level and that friendship just builds so much more faster than others and something you put on Facebook once totally resonated with me and actually pushed me to create a little girls group of our own because you know a lot of the supports and a lot of the programs in Darwin are in my working hours and I can't get to them and all the girls but one don't have children and they're all the same we all work so I end up making a little girls group with my neighbor and the other girl down the street and a few others and we just organize girl catch-ups every now and then because we're in similar situations like and we don't need a whole group of friends either but at least we've got each other and it's not necessarily even catching up to talk defense but it's just knowing that you guys know what you're going through yeah like one time we just went to the beachfront in rapid creek and just looked out to the sea and had a drink all together at four o'clock in an afternoon just sitting together and just you know feeling like you have a little family once he joined the army and he'd been away for training for a bit and obviously now that you've gone on the first posting did you have any expectations of what defense life would be like i thought he would be away more actually it's just the luck the draw combat engineers despite i've learnt being in the same troop or the same field don't all get sent out on the same activity so to say like he gets sent away for the month in june to july but some of the other girls i'm friends with up there their partners are now in east timor some other partners have been away for two to three months and it's just the luck of the draw that he actually hasn't been away as much as others so i've count myself quite lucky that he's actually been here and you know pretty stable seven to four hours he's home for dinner he's here on weekends so i feel good in that way But other than that, I think I just, I don't know, I've learned to go with the flow with it. The only thing I think I've ever got extremely upset about with the army is just trying to figure out when I was moving up here and how that was affecting my career and me trying to figure out how to leave where I worked. I'm a very loyal person and also setting a date for the wedding. That was a nightmare. Have you heard about our Lots of Love care packages? An anonymous and free box of self-care goodies that can totally make a military spouse's day. It's a way for friends and family to send an acknowledgement in the mail to a military spouse to let them know they're awesome and the Military Wife Life community has their back. Pop over to the Military Wife Life website after you finish listening to this episode, of course, and sign someone up for the Lots of Love box. So by the time you posted with him to Darwin, which is obviously like, can you get any further away from Albury? Like how long had you been in that job that you were leaving? So I'd just done probably about over four years and I did my third year social work placement there. So I was very connected there and very well connected to like housing, welfare, family violence sector in Wodonga. Quite well known as a social worker, like a lot of other women, but you know, you'd built, I'd built up a good reputation. I'd done some great work. I'd built up my skills to hopefully go into leadership. So that was something I felt it wasn't the time for me right then, which was hard. So how did you make that decision to leave that and start fresh in Darwin? Obviously the decision's made easier because you're going to be with your partner. It's still not an easy decision to make. I'd always decided I was going to move with him. So I already always knew that I guess the hard thing for me was I started realizing I was getting really burnt out from the crisis care work you're always in a state of hypervigilance you're never relaxed your body is very affected I put on a lot of weight Um, I had severe anxiety and at times I didn't look after me very well so I was already starting to be burnt out but 
a lot of job opportunities where if they came a year before, I might have taken. I think that was the hardest thing. I could have seen myself moving in a different direction with my career into being a consultant in AOD or being a team leader, but it clashed with the time I had to leave. So I guess I just had to come to the decision that it wasn't the right time and I can take those steps up in Darwin or try a different area of work in Darwin to challenge myself, which I did. I completely changed the field I work in in some ways. What field are you working in up there? And I guess when your partner joined, how did you envision your work and career working alongside Defence Life? Or did you think that it would just be a case of picking up work in the different locations? I set myself the challenge of each time I move choosing a different field of work. So social work like nursing, I can work in so many different fields. So I didn't want to do family violence anymore, but I loved working with women and it was interesting when looking for jobs in Darwin. I was drawn to feminist work and I didn't realise how important that was to me. So I am now working with, it was just Aboriginal women, but now it's Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal women in the Darwin Correctional Centre. We do case management and education with them pre-six-month release and then we do case management for up to 12 months post-release so we walk with them through that whole journey we go into the prison and see them it's work I'm really proud to do and I love doing it and I love learning off the women up here they're just they're remarkably strong women and sometimes when I think that I've got it tough compared to what they've gone through in life it's nothing and Um, I guess having a job that's rewarding maybe helps I guess when it gets comes to a time where he is away often at least you've got something that's really rewarding to fall back on and and you feel like you're making an impact on the home front I'm really passionate about women's rights I'm not somebody who thinks that men aren't victims at all don't get me wrong but I'm really passionate about like women's offending and family violence and how a lot of women through trauma get into prison when they start resisting violence or the system is manipulated and a lot of time you know a lot of women's issues are different compared to youth work that's not something that grabs me as much as working for women's rights you'd mentioned that you're going to try and work in various fields at different posting locations yeah that's I guess a positive way of looking at having to I guess start fresh in each location at least you're varying your experience so you're you know getting different fields something really caught me off guard this time and I've heard different women in the podcast talk about different things that catches off guard and I kind of just thought I get really nervous before you know the first day of school the first day of uni starting a new job I get really bad social anxiety but you know I thought I'd just fall into a job and it would just happen and it did in some ways it took me four job applications which was fine but the whole idea of starting a job and not having any professional networks up here them not knowing my reputation so my voice wasn't as heard like others knowing the criminal justice system let alone not knowing northern territory it caught me off guard to feel like I was like a first year social work student again and that was really really scary and intimidating for me and it took me a few weeks to go hold on I know my stuff I'm a good social worker I'm a good advocate you'll learn the rest of it but I think now as I move each time I'm now prepared that it's going to be tough for those first three months and I have to work hard at building my networks and doing that so I can be successful because it was really scary at first for me like I it just completely caught me off guard like when we moved up here I didn't have a job yet but I'd quit my job and I because I had to draw the line at some point I said to Joel like I was like we have to choose when I'm going to come and just draw the line and if I don't have a job yet that's fine I can get one but I'd saved up all my annual leave and my other job to cover us for a month and I was ahead on the mortgage so I knew would be okay you know it still was it was anxiety driven in some ways this whole idea of oh my 
my God, like I don't have a job to go to yet. Like it made me feel really scared at first. And then I had to go, hold on. It's okay. I'll get something. I may just have to start looking in fields that I don't want to work in as much if it means to get my foot in the door up here. So does your partner have a general posting plan of where he might go after this posting or is it just sort of see what comes up? Just see what comes up. I'm presuming we're here for four years from what I know. I think I'll go crazy if I moved every two, but it is what it is if it is. I don't know. I'm open to go wherever, I guess. When we placed Darwin on our list, we chose Darwin, Brisbane, Townsville, Sydney. We chose Darwin first because I knew it would be a good opportunity for social work, working in the Territory, as well as for him. And we wanted to know if we liked it or not. We thought, why not come up to the Territory before we have children, see what we think. So in the future, if we get offered it again and we have some wiggle room, if we don't like it, well, maybe we could be closer to home. And then Brisbane as well. I'd I don't know if I could live in Sydney. It's a hectic city. You were saying that you just had to draw a line in the sand in regards to when you would move up to Darwin. How long had your partner been up in Darwin before you picked a date and decided to move? He moved up so about two months before I moved up. I think I resigned a month before I left from work. So I put my resignation in not long after we moved up here. And we just decided once we picked a house, that was it. We had to make the commitment of me quitting my job and coming up here and establishing ourselves. Because the later it got in the year, it meant annual leave and we had a wedding to go home for so I had to weigh up all of that too I needed to get a job get leave so I could come home or could go home so we can get married in December <laughs> it's, it's a genuine problem well, having and to spread your whole... leave out over you know because yeah. you've got Christmas and all the other important things that might happen during the year and because you're so far away from family you have to use at least a yeah. couple of days leave each time and I've never been in the predicament of living away from family. Like I lived with my parents in Gosford for the first four years of my life. Then we lived in Aubrey for the rest of my life. And Joel's lived his whole life in Aubrey too. So we never had to use leave to see family. Where when families come up here, you know, I've worked extra hours to just get one day off in the week they're here to spend with them. So we actually see them. And between my cousin getting married, Joel's sister getting married and a few family members coming up in our wedding, when I go back three days after our wedding, I've got zero leave. How did you come? Come to a point where you're okay with mum being far away, setting yourself up in a new location and like you said, getting to a point where you could be happy, I guess, day to day as opposed to feeling guilty. I don't even know, to be honest, how I did it, but I've just, I think I came to Darwin really open-minded too and I, I love Darwin. And this may sound stupid, but being sunny all year round, I've noticed has really helped my well-being. Like those dark, gloomy winter days in Aubrey, I used to always notice my anxiety was bad and my well-being was bad where because it's sunnier, I've been, I go to the gym more, I get out with the dogs more. So I think just taking care of me and taking that step back has really helped and just knowing that there's a lot of family at home that can help her. Even some of my army friends in Wodonga made her lunches. Do you know what I mean? Like just that support from everybody down home. I knew she was okay and there's nothing I could have done really other than being there as her daughter. So I think for me, having her come to Darwin at least and knowing that she was away from home, she was away from the everyday house stresses. I felt like that was something I could give to her where she could actually have a holiday because she probably wouldn't otherwise. So that became my purpose was to try and get her up here like I did for Mother's Day. And then with the GoFundMe I did for her and dad for Father's Day and to make those memories with her, like I took her out to Litchfield and we swam in a, a waterfall, which is remarkable. And, you know, went and saw jumping crocodiles on the weekend. They were just here and went to markets and watched sunsets and walked along the beaches and just looked at shells like the stuff we probably never would have done together for an Aubrey as well because you just get stuck in your routine of yeah and I guess you get complacent with being able to see each other because you're five minutes down the road or whatever as opposed to really planning that time together and making memories 
Yeah. And that was the thing. Like it came to the point where a lot of the time leading up to me leaving, I was taking a lot of personal leave to take out a medical appointment to be there, which is all well and good. But every medical appointment, there was bad news. And it's like, every time I was with her, we got more bad news and more bad news. And I was like, I'm not making any good memories here. Like I'm, I'm supporting her, but these aren't like memories where she's not cancer, like nothing where we're daughter and mother. Like, uh, So how does your partner feel? I guess, does he feel a bit more secure in if he has to go away? He knows that you've got a good support network up there now and is okay with going away with everything going on in the background? Yeah, I think he is. Like when he's gone away a few times, some of the other girls have had their partners here. So we, I always tell them that we all can pimp our partners out to be a house husband if needed. Um, and <laughs> on top of that, I've made friends with our neighbours behind us, which is the private rental. And they're like my parents' age and they're the sweetest people. <laughs> so I feel really safe in my area. And I think on top of that as well, I call her my cousin, cousin. So we share a cousin on different sides of the family, but she just randomly moved up here and me and her clique and we see each other every second weekend. So he knows that, you know, she's Lebanese too. So we've got this connection with our families. We're both of our personalities clique. We love the same things. So I've got enough things there that there's women to help me. But I guess the hardest thing for him is leaving me not knowing what's going on with mum. So when we got that news about mum only having possibly six months, he literally left for field two days later. And I think that was the hardest thing for him because I was at the point of breakdown then still I wasn't coping with it. And I think that field for him was one of the hardest things he's ever done because his seniors were very nice and offered him to be able to keep contacting me. But he felt that if he contacted me and things kept going worse and worse, he felt like it may not have helped him get through. And so he made the decision to not have contact, which to be honest, for me was easier. Having no contact instead of spontaneous contact is easier because I can just get on with my routine to cope with it. I send him text messages telling him about my day that he can read in whenever long and I just had to stick to a routine to get through I think that's a challenge we have with mum being sick is all this unknown to like even with our wedding for example coming up we only had enough leave to go down there for the week before the wedding and then get married and come back up straight away and tossing up you know is this her last Christmas is it not so now we're looking at a few more extra days, but at the same time, we can't spend weeks and weeks and weeks at home with leave with no pay for me and him be away and use up all our leave too. Cause then it just puts us back in a situation of we're working nine to five for months just to secure enough leave to have a break ourselves without burning out. Like it's a hard balance to find wanting to be with the family and wanting to have a break from work and not use all your leave just to see family. Yeah. It can just be as exhausting. So how do you look after your mental health? You mentioned that you did previously go to counselling. Have you continued mm. anything up in Darwin or what have you been doing on that side of things? I haven't yet. When I got that news about mum, me and my manager talked about EAP counselling and I told her that I gave myself I thought a week was a good time to measure change. And if I was still in quite a depressive state, I would go see somewhere. But if I started to see change, I would not. And so she left that with me and I, I did. Like I started to see change and I was dealing with it better. So I decided not to. But I guess for my own well-being with work, making sure that work doesn't burn me out, plus what's going on at home, I started um, paying for myself to get external supervision to really reflect on my professional practice. I joined a gym up here that then closed down and then I won a free membership to F45, which was amazing too. So I've started going there and I go there, I'm trying to three to four times a week after work, which makes me click off after work. Surprisingly enough as well, I listened to, I was listening to like true crime podcasts and oh gosh. <laughs> polycystic ovary syndrome as well for my well-being. And then now I've got yours. I've been listening to that on the way to work and I find that really good for zoning out out of my thoughts. 
Yeah. So I just do things like that. And I've, I've been focusing on my physical health a lot too, and seeing a naturopath and trying to get everything in line with my physical well-being too. So I'm just trying to focus on if I can try and stay as healthy as I can, that's important to mum too. Because if I start, my mental health starts not doing well and my physical health, you know, she'll feel bad. So if I focus on me, that'll make her happy. Yeah. Which essentially that attitude will help you through defense life in whatever you're going through, if you focus on you and make sure you're okay, then you're more likely to be able to deal with anything else that comes up and deal with whatever's going on, whether it's kids or, you know, house situation, husband being away, all of that makes it much easier when you've put the time and effort into yourself. What have you learned about defence life? I've learned that I can't control a lot. I learned the wedding was the biggest thing that taught me that. I wanted to book a date straight away and we had to wait till we moved to Darwin. So that was a very long seven, eight months to wait. (laughs) I've learned to just go with the flow. Like it doesn't bother me now. And he's like, I'm going to do duty. I'm like, whatever, go do duty. doesn't bother me. And just today, one of your podcasts made sense to me when you said never count down the days because I was the last time he came home. And then we got told he was delayed a day and that day went forever. So I've learned yeah. don't count down the days. Yeah. It can be like the longest day of your life. So I've come to a part of Australia that, to be honest, I never would have come to. And I'm so happy I came here. It is so beautiful up here. And I encourage so many people to come view Darwin if they haven't. Just, you know, we go overseas so much in our lives. And I know a lot of people are doing. I haven't even seen Australia. And it's a beautiful place to be. So I'm guessing the verdict for Darwin is, yes, you would like to be posted back there at some point? Yeah, I think mattering where things are in our life. I would be happy to be posted back up here. Joel and I've decided and I know things can change in life, but if we do have kids, we said we'd move around until they got to high school and then we'd probably stay. So any words of wisdom for other spouses just starting the journey? I guess you're a couple of years in. 18 months in, I'd say if they're going to Kapuka, take up that opportunity to write letters. And I use it as a time to reflect on our relationship. I took it as such a good time to really reflect on, you know, every relationship has the good, the bad, the ugly. Reflect on it and write to each other about what you want to change, what you think you've grown on and really appreciate each other. I think it was actually as much as I hated being apart, it was good for us because use that time to focus on your own independence and what you're capable of because I don't think we know we're as capable as we are until we're in that situation. I always say to Joel, like, I'm fine by myself, but I'm better with you. And he's the same. Like, we both can do it by ourselves, but we choose to be with each other because we love each other. And just be really open with your communication. Like, we've even said lately, like, we're still adapting back to each other. We spent 11 months by ourselves where he lived on base and everything was done for him. And, you know, I'll get angry because, you know, I'm doing the bills and the dishes and things thinking about dinner and food prepping and he doesn't but he reminds me which is true he lived on a base but all that was done for him for for 11 months so we really have to be aware of that constant adaption you might live together for six months but it could take longer than that to adapt to each other again and find that balance it's not as easy and as quick as you think it is yep i'm definitely finding that it's harder to readjust to being together than being apart yeah you just get in your own routine it's Like I know for me, I'd go to work, I go to the gym, I come home, my meals are all prepped, shopping on the weekend, dogs to the ocean on the weekend, you know, like then when they come home, you want to respect that they may not want to do as much and you want to give them the food they like. But you also don't expect them to leave the the, dishes on the side of the sink and not think to wash it up. (laughs) Yeah. You're happy to have them home. I'm happy that you're home, but... Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Steph. I hope your mum continues to get good news about her cancer and you guys continue to have a good experience up in Darwin. And I guess the wedding is not very far away. How exciting. Well, thank you so much for coming on.
Thank you too, Beck. I appreciate you letting me tell mum's story. And if women contact you wanting to talk to me, um, I'm very open to talking to other women if they're going through this. It can be very lonely to go through it in the defence. So if people would like to talk to me going through the same thing, I'm open for you to let me know. Thank you so much, Steph. Pleasure. I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 